0: beautiful you are, God. How lovely you are, Father. Beautiful, lovely are your dwelling places. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. He is beautiful. (laughs) Who put that there? (laughs) I'll tell you what I, I told the first service. This is it, they kind of could have come and scraped me out of the floor back there I literally put that song on repeat and drove for almost three hours with it on repeat because I needed to be reminded of his beauty oh, Jesus he is so faithful he is so good he is just the most amazing God. He, who has a God like this? I'm just, my heart is just pounding um, because I get to talk to you about him today. I get to talk to you about what he's done, the amazing work that he has done. Um, so if you will stand with me, this passage of scripture that we're about to read, the Lord gave to me in my teen years and at that point in time, I didn't understand how things needed to be used in context. And, and w- when I read it, I didn't understand that it, it was for Israel. I didn't understand the book of Hosea. But I understood when he spoke these words. I thought, God, you have done that with me over and over and over again. And this is part of my testimony. This is the word of the Lord. Therefore... I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There, give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the bells from her lips, no longer. And the birds of the air, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you Father that you are the God who performs your word. Father, you watch over your word to perform it. God, the moment that it is released from you, Father, it begins to to do the work. The word tells us that it will never return void to you, but it will accomplish everything that you've sent it to do. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have done that in my life and that you continue to and I thank you, God, that you are going to do that today in this room, Father. I thank you that you are to send your word father there's going to be healing in it father there's going to be deliverance in it father there's going to be restoration in it father today so we thank you lord for what you are about to do we bless you i ask father that everything that is of me would fall to the ground and be forgotten but father everything that is from you let it produce fruit let the seed be strong father in jesus name amen amen you can have a seat um I want to read something to you. The Lord has always been water to me. There's been something about mine and and the Lord's relationship that has always been tightly linked to water. Um, He just speaks to, to me that way. And even from an early age, I always saw my life in waves. It was as if the seasons of my life were waves coming into the shore, bringing what they would bring, leaving what they needed to leave, and then returning back out um, toward him. So he's always been that to me. But somewhere in the midst of everything, you know, the enemy tries to stop you at the beginning he doesn't want you to make any headway in the kingdom. And so sometimes he, he sends things into your life that, that are intended to derail you or move you away from God or uh, stop you from fulfilling the destiny that God has for you. Has everybody experienced that? Well, see, most of the time, these seasons are the first wave. That, that, that has a tendency. The enemy loves to come after children He loves to come and wound you early so that you retreat and you move in fear and you step back early in life. And that's kind of what the enemy did and I'm going to get there. But I want to read something to you. Um, I think this is my fifth, fifth book and it's funny the progression you see healing all the way down. But this one is written from a place of healing. And so I'm going to read you something before we get into the other stuff so that you don't feel terribly sorry for me in the middle of the message. I want you to know that God has done something. When I was a child, I was a retreater. I was a runner. I was a hider. I wanted to please everybody. I like to keep peace because of some of the things I'm going to share with you. I walked on eggshells a lot. And so my choice in this was to retreat into the woods. <laughs> it was safe back then. We lived on a a pretty good size property and there were woods all around us. And so I hid there a lot, me and Jesus, a lot because I didn't want to get in trouble and I didn't want to create a stir and I didn't want to make anybody mad. So I spent a lot of time alone with him. I have never been the type to wade gently into water, looking all graceful and dignified. I am more the run, jump, hold your nose, plunge, splash kind of girl. I always thought that the others looked pretty, but I knew that they could not possibly be having nearly as much fun as I was. After all, while they were standing ankle deep in tepid salt water, the waves splashing gently around their ankles, I was soaked, sputtering, coughing like crazy, and had seaweed in my teeth. Ah, the bliss. My eyes stung in every scrape and I had plenty, came alive with the fire of painful cleansing and my feet sank into things best left undiscovered. (laughs) My sisters all thought I was nuts and not much has changed, by the way. They were all girl girls and they had no idea how much fun it was to have a starfish stuck to your leg (laughs) or how to be thrown from a horse with grace or hit in the face with basketball and recover. My sisters did not know the thrill of stealing third base or riding dirt bikes without their mom's permission. They did not know that stars are best viewed at 1 a.m. after climbing out your window and onto the roof in your orange Converse high tops and nightgown. Simple things, really, and they could have done any of these things, but no, they liked it safe and organized and all planned out. I began most mornings looking for socks and homework while my sisters rolled their eyes and tapped their toes in frustration. I remember running out the door one morning, jumping down the front steps and falling very ungracefully at the feet of my embarrassed older sisters. They looked at my mom and asked, oh, mother, what are we going to do with Barbie? I went, duh, hello, you can help me up. You see, I thought they were asking what they should do at the moment when in fact it was their whole, my whole life that left them scratching their heads and walking many paces ahead of me in public. I didn't fit in and I never have. I have always heard a different drumbeat in my spirit. I knew that life was supposed to be a grand adventure and I did not want to miss a moment of it indoors where the world lost its wonder and its beauty. I needed sunshine on my face and cool grass beneath my feet. I needed hills to climb and puppies to wrestle. I loved to laugh and I loved to sing at the top of my voice with only God listening. Because, you see, I learned at a very early age that God created creek beds for lonely children with curly red hair. And that dogwood blooms fit perfectly in small hands with dirty fingernails. For, you see, God has always loved me more than I deserved and more extravagantly than I can fathom. And he has always been water to me. He has always been that. But see, God had to redeem these memories and make them more than they were. In order for me to get to that place, we had to walk through some things. When I was very young, I'm I'm just going to use some water terms for you. I feel like my early years, my father was a pastor. He was the son of a mean man. A mean man. And he was very cruel to my father. And... uh, my dad's mom was cold and we were never invited into their home. We were never welcomed there. and um, So my dad, as an adult, I can look and go, there were so many broken places in him. And, and I can see them now as an adult. But as a child, I didn't understand that. All I knew was the rejection of it. And he was a broken person pastoring a church. And... It was a setup for the enemy. I mean, it was like the perfect condition for the enemy to come in and do what the enemy did. Um, My father, because of the rejection of everything he had gone through, the enemy took... His need for approval, his need for, you know, somebody to tell him he was okay, the enemy took that and distorted it and turned it into a need for adoration. And that need for love that my father had, the enemy took and distorted and turned it into a lust And so we were in the middle of a church. And see, fortunately, by God's grace, was oblivious in the beginning. All I knew was that God loved me. All I knew was that this felt board Jesus that I saw in Sunday school on Sunday mornings when my mom would talk to me about Jesus, I loved him. He was beautiful to me. And I would talk to him. I knew two things about Jesus. I knew he loved kids and he loved sheep. Where can you go wrong with that? But I so loved him. And God in his grace allowed me to, to stay cushioned for, me, for for many years from the things that my mom was walking through in that moment. Because, see, let me tell you something. When you have a wounded pastor, the potential for harm is just overwhelming. And my dad liked women. And women liked my dad. And so he would choose. He would decide you know, from week to week, whether he would be home or not. And so we had one dad when we were at church and we had somebody else that that we were at home, somebody at home. I was afraid all the time. I was scared all the time that I would say something or do something to set him off. Or even worse, I would say or do something that would cause him to choose one of them above us. And... So he would leave and he'd be gone for long periods of time and we would be okay. And then, and, and living in a hollow, living in it where we lived and the time we were in, you didn't divorce. You just didn't. Not if you were a Christian. You didn't do that. And um, golly, the things that my mom put up with and she tried to hold us together. But there was so much chaos and so much fear and so much anxiety at home that. Um, I, I stayed in the woods a lot. I just, I just stayed away from the house because that was the safest thing to do. And in the woods, I loved God. I could look around me and I could see so much beauty. I, I could see so many things that he had done. And, and I was distracted and enraptured and, and in that. And I knew that there was a father God who had created all of this. And, and so my world became that. And I would go home during all of this mess as, as a young child, so much tension and strife and me being afraid of my own shadow or afraid to have any voice whatsoever. During the middle of that, our house burned down. And so we lost our, you know, we were homeless for a little bit. And when it burned down, um, we arrived on the scene just in time to see it finish, the fire. And all I could think was all of my stuffed animals just died. (laughs) Because what are you going to think when you're little? So now we lived in a a borrowed mobile home and we would go to bed at night and I would pray. I remember praying, God. God. Please, I was so fearful. I had nightmares all the time. I was scared and I would go to sleep at night and I had two prayers that pervaded everything. God, please don't let our house burn down and God, please don't let him find somebody that he likes better than us. And that was where I lived for the longest time and that was my nighttime. I hated nighttime. I hated it. uh, I hated it. And so that went on night after night after night and until we hit a day where my nightmares came in the middle of the day. We were all home. It was the middle of summer. um, And Daddy never came home in the middle of the day. Never came home in the middle of the day. So when he pulled up, and you can hear in the country, it's going to, you hear a gravel road. You can tell when somebody's coming up the road and he pulled into the front of the house and we all ran to the front window and saw him I need to move We all ran to the front window and we saw him. And it was so out of the ordinary. You have to understand, he never did that. And so when he got out of the car, we're all standing at the window. And I've got three sisters. And we look and he's coming down the sidewalk. And he's got a gun. And my mom takes off running to to intercept. Um, Because this time... He had decided it wasn't about him wanting to leave us. It was about him wanting to really leave us. And so um, she's trying to distract him and he's trying to decide who he wants to kill and what order he wants to do this in. And my oldest sister is trying to hide us. And um, so my mom... Couldn't block him on the sidewalk, so she finally, he got in the house, and my mom is trying to talk him down and trying to get him down the hallway, and... She does. And when the minute they start down the hallway, her trying to talk to him, my sister grabbed us and we took off running out that door. And my sister, I don't even remember. I don't think she was even old enough to have a driver's license, but she put us in that car and she was screaming, get in the car, get in the car. And we all got in the car and she backed it out. And I just remember going, we can't leave mama there. We can't leave her there. And all I remember, and it just so burned into my spirit because my sister turned around and she said, we can't go back. And when she said, we can't go back, I just thought it it just exploded on the inside of me because we couldn't go back. And everything from that point forward would change. Mama was okay, but he left for good. And we lost our house. We lost our um, income. We lost our community. Because when you are a pastor's kid, that's your world and that's all you know. And we had no one. And we were floundering for the longest time. And for about six months from that point forward, I slept under the kitchen table in my grandmother's house. Until we could find somewhere else to live. Until we could find someplace. <sighs> okay. Isn't this fun? Um And then my dog got run over. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You got to break it up a little bit. But in the middle of that, God sent a lifeboat. In the middle of that wave, God did something for me that would sustain me, that would draw me back time after time. Children are so cruel. And during that time, knowing I was homeless, knowing that I didn't have a father, all of those things the kids at school began to taunt me. And I was pretty good at, at putting up with it until one point. And then I hit that point one day where I had just had it because everybody was making me feel like it was my fault that he had left and so I remember and I've shared this with you before but I remember running home and getting to that little mobile home and running to the back closet climbing in the closet my sister and I shared a room and so there were shoes stacked up and I remember sitting down on those shoes and going God if you are real if you are real then I need a father because I don't know how to do this without a father And I was just praying and I was talking to him. And I'm like, God, I just, I so need a father. And I heard him so clearly, probably for the first time in my life, I heard him say, I will be a father to you. And when he said that, it was as if water just rushed in to that small space and and, and just filled me up. And I felt his presence in such a strong way. And he filled that place in my heart that was for a father. The second, it became it just a lifeline to me. The second thing he did was my mom and I uh, had finally found a church for us to go to. And and we went. And that being preacher's kids, we're going to show up an hour early because that's what you do. You don't know that you can actually come in 20 minutes late and it's okay. That was not directed at any of you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so we got there and it was just empty. And I'm like, where are all the people? And um, I sat down at the piano. Mom, mom said, I was like, can I go play that piano? Cause it was like a baby grand piano. And I had never seen one of those before. And it was the most amazing thing you had ever seen in your life. <sighs> so I went and I sat down at the piano cause I didn't think anyone was there. So I sat down and I started playing this song that I had written about my father. And while I was sitting there playing that, the youth minister came out freaked me out, sat down on the piano stool next to me. And he said, Barbie, he said, God has given you a gift and he has anointed you to worship. And this is going to become a weapon in your hand and God is going to use it. And it just, I couldn't breathe because I never could have even imagined that God could anoint me, that God could, used me, not after everything we have been going through. And so I started to get my head above water again, started to move up a little bit and started to breathe again. But you know, the enemy doesn't give up easily. And so I had just started to breathe again. And there's something about a young, vulnerable, broken, wounded little girl that'll draw a predator. And so a shark came into my life. And I just, I remember, I remember as an adult watching the Color Purple, Oprah Winfrey's movie. And I remember her saying, the world is not safe for a girl child. And I remember just thinking, she said, I never thought I would have to fight in my own home. When I finally got strong enough to tell somebody about that, the way things that were, ha- were handled back then, it was a little different. So I was sent away. And when I was sent away, it just confirmed that I must have done something wrong. And I was like, seriously, the best way I can describe to you what I was like is like a window that has been hit and it's webbed. And you know that the slightest touch is going to shatter that thing. And I was living like that. I was living with bandages. I was taping up anything I could tape up. I was holding on for dear life and was just beginning to recover. And the shark came back. And when he came back, everything just fell apart. I shattered I shattered and I ran. I got so mad at God. I wanted nothing to do with him. I couldn't trust him. He hadn't taken care of me. The only people that had ever wounded me had been people from the church, and I wanted nothing to do with him. And I ran so hard and so fast away from him. Gosh, it was just such a pit. I just, I was self-medicating, whether legal or illegal, anything to make me not hurt. Anything that would (sighs) cause me to put one foot in front of the other for one more day. That was where I was living. I was such a mess. (laughs) And then I met Hal. (laughs) He didn't know he was dating shattered glass. And I I used the term in first service that he became a roadblock to me. But I want you to understand, he was a roadblock in the middle of a path of destruction. And God planted him in front of me. He was wild. He was a rock and roller. He had a motorcycle and a van. What else do you want? He shot pool and played guitar. He was a girl's dream. And he wasn't a Christian. He was not a religious man. And that was his most attractive quality to me at that point in time. Anyway, God started to do something. It was several years before Hal and I would actually serve the Lord again together. Before we would move in, we, gave, we had our son. And there was something about all of that fear. I, I was still very fearful. I still struggle with that in all honesty. Sometimes if I feel like I've said the wrong thing, I want to go and apologize really quick. Or I have a tendency, if the Lord doesn't redeem those things in me, if I'm not mindful of them, to find my eggshells again. No amen from you. Um, but the Lord began to heal me. And he began to redeem those things. And for years, I wouldn't say the word daddy. I wouldn't say the word father. I wanted nothing to do with that word. I wanted nothing to do with what that represented in my life. And, and when, we got, um, when I came back to the Lord, I started taking Aaron to church. And I thought, okay, I'm going to serve him again these people seem safe enough. I'm not in leadership. I don't know any of the stuff. These people seem safe enough. I'm going to serve God again. And so I decided in a cold and calculated way, I thought I'm going to go ahead and get baptized again because all of that sin and all of that garbage that I was in for all of that time, I need to get baptized. And I was standing backstage. I was standing back in the hallway of that church, the Oak Ridge Church of God on Illinois Avenue. And I was standing back there and I was thinking, God, I don't know if I can do this again. I don't know if I can do this again. I don't know if I can commit to you again. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if you can heal me. I don't know if you can do any of these things. And then it came out of my mouth and I said, but father, and when I said, father, father, it was as if as if this wave, I could see it coming at me, I could so see it in my spirit. So strong was the vision. I backed up against the wall and I braced myself for what I knew was coming. And I could see it as this wave washed over me. I could see every wound. It was as if it was just rushing through me, and I could see all of the band-aids come off. I could see all of the scars begin to heal. I could see all of the brokenness begin to heal. And I just crumpled, I slid down that wall into the floor as these waves and breakers washed over me, bringing healing to me. And I heard him say so clearly, I am going to restore to you all of the years that the locusts have eaten. I didn't understand what that meant at that time, but I think I understand it now. I want to show you what restoration looks like. you to know I want you to know that even if you are down you are not out that was just the first wave wherever you are. I was so fearful when I was young. I was so afraid that I would never, ever be whole. I was so afraid that I would be the walking wounded for the rest of my life. But let me tell you something. God is not finished with you. God has not completed the work. He is the one, He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work. But you have to stop living Living in the first wave. You have to stop allowing that to be your memory. Allowing that to be the place where you stop. Wave after wave after wave of His love has washed through my life. He has redeemed every tiny thing. The smallest pain. He has turned it into something usable. He has brought wholeness. And I want you to know today that he has wholeness for you. And he wants you to look with anticipation toward the coming waves. The waves that he wants to bring. He wants to heal you. All of those broken things. That's not what his children are supposed to walk with. So if you will stand with me. I need some prayer warriors, but I want you to know that you can also find a place of your own. If you have been walking in fear, walking on eggshells, afraid to move forward in Him, I want you to know that He can make you brave. He can heal you. He can move you forward if you will allow wave after wave to wash over you. So, Father... We come under your love right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Father, that you are not finished. I thank you, God, that you have so much more to write on these pages. And Father, today, I pray that they would grab hold of you, their hope, their strength, their anchor. And Father, that they would allow you to make them brave enough to move forward. So if you need prayer this morning, your first wave might have been horrible and it might have lasted into the second wave. And you really need someone to pray with you that you can get past it and that you can forgive, come. And if those waves are over and you're just afraid and you're still scared and and you are afraid to be who God called you to be because of the wounds in the past and all of that stuff, I want you to come and let somebody pray with you. Because when you walk out of this room today, what God is going to do is he's going to begin to show you the work that he has done. He's going to begin to complete your picture. He's going to begin to show you the waves of love that have washed over and over and over your life so that that becomes a distant memory and everything that he has done becomes your reality today. So as we sing, you make me brave. I want you to declare it to him. I want you to lift your hands to him. And I want you to allow him to make you brave enough to move on. Brave enough to step forward. Trusting that you have a father who can take care of all of it.
1: Bless you. i
0: Oh, Father, I thank you that you have healing coming, Father. I thank you, Father. Your word says that for those who fear and reverence the Lord, the Son of Righteousness, will arise with healing in His wings. And so, Father, as they move towards you, I ask God that you would arise over them with healing in your wings. I ask, Father, that you would restore, Father, that you would repay them, Father, for all of the years that the locusts had eaten, Father. I ask, Father, them that you win them that you draw them father god father let healing come let healing come in the name of jesus father let fear be gone in the name of jesus father let strength come father jesus they would move into everything that you've called them to move into i bless you god i bless you god there is none like you father jesus make them whole father thank you it's your love. bother.
1: Crashes over me, crashes over me, for you are for us, you are not against us, champion of heaven.
0: Father, that you made a way for all to enter in. You are our champion today. You are our champion. Would you extend your hand and let me offer you a blessing? May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continue. To make you brave. May he continue. To wipe away every tear. To erase and overcome. Every fear. May he continue to pour into your lives. Wave after wave. After wave. Washing over you. Behold. Sons and daughters. He does a new thing. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.